This is Shaka Wartspeak. Hey, welcome to Shaka Wartspeak. What's up, y'all? What is up? I haven't said that in a while. It felt kind of weird. I'm your father. Like, I think you've said it for most of the last Dude, couple dozen episodes. Dude, that's true. You need to do it for a while. Yeah, it felt good. Welcome to Shaka Wartspeak. I just want to say it again. Welcome that's to right. Shaka Wartspeak. <laughs> Gareth's mustache is still here, just so everybody that was wondering. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he didn't take some time off because he was having mustache issues. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I needed yeah. to take, I took a personal day from work. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a mustache health day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we need to normalize mustache health. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, listen, I'm a big advocate for, for mustache health. Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you that it, it sometimes has a bad attitude. Yeah. Doesn't do what it's supposed to. We need to get more going for beard health and mustache health. Yeah. Yeah. Because my, my beard is really failing. Uh, my it's beard has uh, consistently failed. Gray scraggle. So I don't have one. I mean, it's gray, but it's 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 got nice fullness and not patchy. It isn't like it used to be, though. If I showed you a picture of when it had curls and waves and volume, it doesn't do that anymore. It just goes like straight angles. and. See, it's funny. When you when you say curls and waves and volume, like I know what you mean because I, 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 was, I was there yeah. and I've seen pictures. But like, I don't know. I'm just now imagining you with like, with like Fabio hair, but as a beard, oh, it'd be great. Like flowing, and waves dude. And just, yeah, just flowing, flowing in the yeah. breeze. That, I wish, that's man. actually, I don't know. I don't. Now that I've said that, I don't know if I like that. Like a L'Oreal yeah. commercial, but for your beard. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I would love to be that model. I'm sure if you got on Indeed and typed in beard model, that's a thing now. Do you? This is a weird question. <laughs> uh, do you think that like uh, you think centaurs beards are that consistency? Like, do you think the beard hair is more like human hair or horse hair? Real, t- real, real question, y'all. <laughs> I, uh, well, first you have I to decide. Heard you- <laughs> centaur is something totally different. Um, do centaurs have beards? Well, I would imagine. Is that, some is that like do. a standard thing? I would think they'd have to. I mean, it wouldn't just be the mane. I think they're coarse. Coarse? You think like real coarse, coarse like, like, like a mane. Just horse hair. Yeah, mane. Man. Because it's got to be tough. You know, you're running mm-hmm. all the time, dude. And your heels are kicking up. Your yeah, hooves but, are kicking up stuff. But there'd be like some like neck or chef, chase, chase, chest chafing. That's a tough thing to say. Chest chafing. Yeah. I don't know. I feel I don't know. There's probably anyway, maybe some relaxer. Yeah. I mean, if you're a if you're a domesticated. <laughs> yeah, those domestic centaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Domestic centaurs. <laughs> Who's even talking living, about living high, high society. You know, uh, lifestyles, centaurs. Yeah. Well, if you uh, know any centaurs in your area, email. Yeah. If you are a centaur, would you send us a message? Let us know what you do with your beard. That's right. We so, might even want to have you on the this podcast. This is the most right? isolating conversation we've ever had, I think. It's on it, beards. It, it is really dumb. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I was referring to the centaur part, and that's on me. So. No, no. I think the whole thing is dumb. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, though, because I've been reading. reading Doesn't books. mean we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> Never stopped us before. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as if. <laughs> well, hey, welcome, welcome back, Cody. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yep, Cody Spice is here. Man, Code I had, Red. I had a nickname the other day, and I completely lost it. Dang it! I know we need one. Is if gonna, you've got a nickname, did you for tell Cody, Callie? Send it no, to us. It, was, oh. it stayed in my head. That's why I don't remember anymore. Mm. Let's take this time. So, we, Cody Spice, right now, is Cody Spice or Code Red, and I, I love that um, personally. At this point, now I can't shake it. But if you think after listening to Cody, you can come up with a better nickname, send them to us. Send us your um, Cody nickname, 
and with a ten dollar entrance fee. That's right. Yeah, it's a contest now. It's a contest now. Yeah, and the winner will be unveiled. I don't know how I feel about that. Because the last time people crowdsourced <laughs> names, we ended up with Bodie McBoatface for a submersible. So I might end up with Cody McCoatface. Uh, I loved Bodie McBoatface a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's like, what was it? Mountain Dew do something where they were trying to get somebody to name it. And it was really terrible. The things yeah. that was crowdsourced. Oh, yeah. Because as soon as you try to crowdsource something like that. It goes. Really people bad. just be like. It looks like bad public art. Well, it's just, I just want to destroy this. It's like an open invitation to just destroy. Yeah. Bad public the, art. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Cody. It's like uh, just taking a cultural dump on something. Yeah. yeah. A collective dump, dude. As if one person's dump's not bad enough. We could have dump like committee. That'd yeah, be great. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, welcome to Shockwords. <laughs> Take three. We're just going to keep saying Take that until we three. actually establish a somewhat welcoming conversation. <laughs> I think we're avoiding the conversation today, guys. Is that, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think we're all kind of in like a, a happy, kind of lighthearted mood for the most part. So we do want to talk about serious things. Uh, and continue where we left off. Yeah. And so uh, in order to continue where we left off, I think the best way to do that is uh, throw it to you, Cody. Thanks. <laughs> so Cody's uh, going to summarize for us. What was the last podcast about and what are your takeaways, Cody? Yeah. So the last podcast, the topic was saturation. Um, so it's the way that a society or a group of people can be saturated or sort of filled up with a particular set of ideas or ways of thinking about the world and how that may or may not be helpful. Um, and a large portion of the conversation, if I recall correctly, was about the idea of worship um, from that David Foster Wallace quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about how everyone has a sort of like deep centered to their person orientation towards something outside of themselves, be that a job, an experience, a person, an idea. Um, an idea. Um, potentially a formalized religion um, and how everyone is, he uses the language of worship to sort of like everyone is devoting themselves to something that mm-hmm. they think will be able to provide a type of identity and a type of experience that will give them value. Um, and you Satisfaction. Guys, satisfaction, yeah. Um, maybe relief from a notion that we by ourselves are not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was an interesting topic that would maybe be worth exploring, but just like that sense of like, everyone knows that, you know, if you just want to talk about it in terms of like maximizing your personal potential, everyone knows they haven't done that. Mm-hmm. They're less than what they could be. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then you could also say, depending on your perspective, you might articulate that I'm less than what I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might get into sort of like a, a, a possible moral or ethical status of our being. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to, to listen to the conversation about how we, and I, I feel like I've certainly done this with things, you know, associate ourselves with people or ideas or movements or activities and try to fill up what we see that we're lacking in our lives mm-hmm. and sort of try to cover over that and maybe use those associations to convince ourselves that we're okay even though we have those lacks or maybe deny those lacks or hide um, what we're lacking from other people so that way they'll think that we're better than we are Mm -hmm. um, and we can potentially maintain certain types of relationships that we couldn't if sort of our flaws and our failures and our lacks were fully exposed. Um, How am I doing so far? 
Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. So, so one of the things too, that I, I was thinking about driving here is, um, when we angle for something that kind of do for us what we need, Yeah, you know, whether it's an, um, an art movement or like a political affiliation or an identity affiliation, or oftentimes, um, that thing, it, 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 you know, I said it last one, but it, it really crumbled. It really buckles under the weight of being elevated. Yeah. Like it, 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 so it's a ticking time bomb. And so, and so you're really, you're really the goal. Um, There's like a, a self orientation. Yes. That's, yeah. I appreciate you saying that because some other things I was thinking of is if we're going to use just this, if we're going to let the word worship be, sort of the summary for the that this everything that we just sort of sketched out. There's something about the way we use that worship or do that worship towards other things that does actually get us something. Yeah. So it we're getting some sort of experience mm-hmm. that we're finding worthwhile enough that even if we don't keep doing it with the same object of, you know, air, air quotes worship, we're doing it with multiple objects. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's interesting and that is maybe back to a little bit of a proof that it does seem to be a sort of human thing is that wherever you find people, they're not going to be doing this with the same things that there is a lot of times, a lot of overlap, but they are going to be doing this type of activity with something Mm -hmm. and they are going to be getting something out of it that supports their persistence Mm -hmm. um, until eventually whatever they're worshiping does crumble under that weight. And there does have to be some sort of switch or pivot to a next thing that for some amount of time can give them that satisfaction and identity. And, yeah. um, and there's like a critical, so, you know, kind of the thinking in, in uh, movements, we were talking a little bit driving here about, um, the way people, the saturation point builds, like there's contrarian note, like there's a kind of a contrarian compass in, in, in some of us. Mm-hmm. And um, as something obtains to a certain critical mass, there will be those that will start to leave that idea, that occasion, that thing, yeah. that person, because it's it's saturated and they'll start to populate the next thing. So they'll, they'll, they'll start to, um, they'll, they'll, they'll be, you'll, you'll have your initial demonizers. They'll demonize it and say it's more about this other thing over here. And I was there earlier on that. So I know appeal to authority Mm -hmm. and because I know I'm telling you like that thing is busted. And so what that does is that then sparks the next kind of utterly relative movement of um, whether it's like in a home, a house, like a neighborhood, a community, Mm -hmm. a a nation, a country, you know, whatever scale, but it it generates the next kind of shift. So, so all of a sudden um, a bunch of people start to at different levels jump ship. Yeah. Um, and then they move to the next thing and then we create, it's like, a, so, but there's always, there's always some remnant left behind too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. even, I mean, this is like a really dumb analogy, um, but like people, populations moving between different social media platforms. No, no, it's, it's use it. I there have been there. like multiple social media platforms that have been invented at particular times. Those social media platforms were a new thing mm-hmm. that you had sort of like this, um, fringe group who 
made their way to it first, established it as something of value, proved that there was something to get out of it, and then a large mass of people then followed behind them. It becomes a big thing for a while. Um, maybe as it after it's become a big thing, its flaws and its deficiencies and its inabilities become known mm-hmm. because there's so many people doing it. And then there's a group of people who are like, eh, this is old, this is stale. Um, there's going to be a group of people who the way they get that sense of like identity and value out of what they're interacting with is going to be being the new people at it, yeah. being the first people at it. So they're going to branch off and they're going to be like, let me go find this next thing. Yep. And then you'll see like waves of migrations between social media platforms, always leaving behind some small group of people that are just like, nope, this thing's still doing it for me or I remember the glory days. Yeah. So I'm just going to like, Beatlemania is a great example. You're yeah. going to have people who are just going to be Beatle fans mm-hmm. their whole life because they lived through it when it was big. And even though most of everyone else has moved on, they still remember the glory days and they're still reliving those experiences that they had at those concerts. They've got the posters and it, that's enough for them. Yeah. Um, and maybe like a small little group of people who have the same priorities. Mm-hmm. But largely you see, you know, groups of people, social groups, cultures moving around consuming a thing breaking it down and then some some people go off and find that next thing mm-hmm. um, so so you know in in there of course there's people that are just this is a very like high level yeah, yeah, yeah of course there's of people that are just like no i like it and i'm not yeah i'm not overrun by it which is why i don't really care if i migrate or not mm-hmm. um but it is to say that that uh, most things buckle including the beatles under the weight of 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 being um exalted yeah so so the question is, so, so. But the, the relationship between saturation and buckling, that's a point of, we see things buckle. It, it makes sense that you'd have to have peak saturation before yeah. you see something truly buckle mm-hmm. and, and really break down. So if we've built up an institution around um, worship of a particular thing, um, or idolizing a way of doing things Mm -hmm. and the intensity with which we're putting our hopes and expectations on the person or the place or the thing or the way is truly too much for the thing, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be when everyone's trying to do it at the same time. You know, like you get 10 people standing on a rotten board. That's the, when the board's most likely to break, not when there's two people sitting on it. Right. Um, so I think the, a good, maybe interesting diagnostic question is wherever you are, whatever scale you're at, maybe asking that question, like where, where are you in that saturation process? Yeah, and I would. Well, I think that's one thing, right? I would go back and say, gosh, and I don't know. So we have only so much time today, but I, I would go back and say, um, what are the implications so if people were to agree with the premise that everyone fosters premise, yeah. everyone worships and it just becomes a question of what, yeah, then there's a, uh, um, there's a potential triviality to what you worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it actually is arbitrary if you are a Los Angeles Lakers fan or a Chicago Bulls fan, it's kind of arbitrary actually, because neither, neither one of those have ascendancy to some greater value. Mm-hmm that can be empirically verified. You know, um, you grew up in LA, you're an LA fan. 
grew up in Chicago, you're a Chicago fan, or you migrated to the being a Bulls fan because you like Michael Jordan or whoever. Mm-hmm. Those are perfectly fine things to do. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is when they're elevated, what what elevates them? So so what I'm saying is a lot of what we elevate is is actually trivial to the elevation. It's it's it may not be trivial in and of itself for what it is, mm-hmm. but when it's put into the position to be everything, then it becomes trivialized because it's 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 at that level what makes it more worthy of worship than something else. It's like um I feel like there's an old story about like a uh ancient city-state Greek mob just like grabbing a dude and being like, you're king now. Yeah. Because they just need someone. Yeah. They just need someone to be king. Yep. And he's like, I don't want to be king. They're like, doesn't matter. Yeah. We're making yeah, you yeah. king. Yeah. Like take the American Idol. Like that show's pretty, you know, it's pretty inter- interesting to watch because you see people go through a process mm-hmm. of discovery mm-hmm. to a kind of manufactured state of mm-hmm. their, and in the process, they actually probably are learning how to sing better. So it's interesting, but it's like, it's happening every year. And so this idea of an idol factory that that is like being offered <laughs> yeah. up, these idols are being offered up, and the um, the worshippers decide who they want to worship the most, mm-hmm. who's worthy of the most worship. That's really what it is. The interesting thing, though, is like they're idols. They're not they're not actually able to really hold worship. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really trivial at some point. Yeah. To the to the detriment of their actual individ, individuated expressive voices and unique talents um, under the hospice of idol- idolatry. That's what it means. <laughs> they're, you know, they're, um, none of them can um, supersede the mob that mm-hmm. has put them into kingship yeah. or power, like you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it's a kind of a fake thing or a false thing. It's like a false connection, mm-hmm. a false, it's a facade of power in appeasement. Um, and that's why, because the mob decides, we decide, we also then can discard as quickly. And the, the problem with the discarding is, you know, so like, like give an example, like, um, I don't know. Um, so th- take at like modern abstract painting in a certain kind of way. Once it was off the mantle, it, it didn't, people didn't stop painting. New mm-hmm. discoveries were made. Interesting things happened. I would say a clear, more cogent kind of abstract language has emerged in the milieu of other things. Like, yeah. So there's like, there's the value of what it can do, um, especially when it's not tasked with being ultimate. Yeah. So vinyl records, for instance, or, you know, like whatever is primary, oftentimes if it is able to live a kind of like simpler second life, mm-hmm. tends to do better in certain ways because it's um, it's not being in masses worshiped. Yeah. Now you have, you may have people that are worshiping in the exact way. Well, you know, I was a Jackson Pollock guy and still paint like Jackson Pollock. And, yeah. you know, we studied under the foot of, you know, you know, so-and-so or whatever. And so we, we still do that. But the question that I, the question that I think is difficult and worth kicking around then is if everything, everyone worships and everything is worshipable, why is it that that is there? Why, why do we worship? I think it was um, Lewis said, if if someone, um, C.S. Lewis said, if someone has a hunger for a world uh, that they've never seen, I forget, I forget how he said it. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, um, I was like, how can you have a taste for a million? If you desire something, if you desire a world that you've never been to. Yeah. Um, 
sort of maybe it means that you're actually destined for a world that you've never been to. Yeah, yeah, or something to that effect, or it, or maybe it means that that world actually is real. Yeah, um, and there's a problem with why it's not actualized, or mm-hmm. there's a reason why you're you're starved for something that you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it it would you you can't hunger for a thing you've never tasted. Yeah. So um, and yet we do. So so then you you have to kind of like expand your criterion for why that is. Yeah. So if so put to put it in terms of this context. If everybody is starved for satisfaction, it assumes like our lungs are made for air. And so it makes sense that when we breathe, we breathe in oxygen and, and lo and behold, there's oxygen. There. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Our eyes are starved for light. So it makes sense that when we open our eyes, light hits our eyes and they correspond to each other. And yeah. we see our ears are made for sound. And so, you know, um, so when sounds occur, our ears process the sounds and we take the sound in. Mm-hmm. I can keep going with our bodies that way, our happy yeah. kind of corporeal selves. Like we, uh, our feet are made for ground. So when we step, our feet touch ground and hold weight in motion, mm-hmm. kinesthetically or whatever. So if you keep parsing out the body into every uh, facet, it's made for X, it does Y. Then come to our mental capacity mm-hmm. and our desire capacity and our need for satisfaction. If our if we're made, if we have a, a an inner longing for satisfaction, perhaps there is a satisfaction to be found, mm-hmm. and that's the fundamental problem. Is what is that? Where does that make sense? Like, yeah. is it, it's like it's like saying, well, if, if all these other things are there, then well, if this is there, then so here's where where some people go to avoid that question. They go the opposite route and they are dismantling the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, some some argument could be made that maybe the reason why we have these satisfactions and these desires is that they're sort of secondary manifestations of just how humans have been biologically developing over millions of years. And it's just sort of a neat artifact that helps drive forward that evolution Yeah, that doesn't actually have any sort of end. It's just like, yeah, you Ooh, like which kind of evolution are we talking about? So it would be just sort of, I guess you would call it maybe the, um, I don't say this pejoratively, but the sort of just naive notion of human biological progress. I like that. Just the general scientific progressivism. Yeah. Just like a naive. It's sort of like a, a material progressivism. Like, yeah, yeah. biology. Because you're not talking Dar- Darwin was like change over gobs, slow change over yeah. gobs of time, eons of time. And he says, if you violate that premise, we're not talking about the evolution I'm speculating on. Hmm. And then more contemporary evolutionists in the last 20 years because they couldn't research and practice under that tenet, um, shifted it to punctuated equilibrium, mm-hmm. which is things change in an instant. Mm. So the question is, have you ever seen anything turn from a butterfly to a dragon? You know, or it's like you have no, no one has observed punctuated equilibrium. Mm-hmm. But that became the new speculative um, uh, idea. Of is that evolution. a, is that like a, um a particular academic phrase punctuated equilibrium yes. that like has its own history and yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. evolutionists. Helpful. So you have different, um, so Dar- rap- Darwinian, rapid inflection points of transition. That's right. Darwinian synthesis is synthesizing towards the ends of this kind of punctuated equilibrium as a speculative way of uh, dealing with the lack of macro evidence for evolution and, um, to push aside some of the micro. So you see uh, change over time interspecies, but you don't really see cross species change. Like you don't see, wolves becoming whales mm-hmm. the way it's speculated so 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 it's, a, it's like an interesting 
pop level naive conversation that most people don't you know they've seen the chart of like the chimpanzee to the person mm-hmm. and and because there's a scale change and there's an illust this is really this is this is so tangential and not on topic at all but let's just say this you have a poster it has been illustrated by the same author that's a continuity mm-hmm. that is behind the scenes and operating on your psyche yeah and then you've been shown from the same hand a sequence of scale and uprightness from crouched over to standing vertical yeah and you've you've been presented a set of consistencies and usually the end one will be holding something like a spear or a staff yes. or a tool yep which is interesting as well yes yeah so none of that is neutral mm-hmm. all of that is made mm-hmm. literally made it's been articulated by an artisan an illustrator mm-hmm. and it's been put in sequence and so then what happens is the visual work operates on you and gives you a proposition of we evolved from this to that. Mm-hmm. And um, whether or not we did is not the point. The point is that is not a neutral communication. Yeah. And there are formal factors that are supporting the idea by virtue of being made by the same person composed this way so that it gets into your psyche. And the thing is it, it, it does and it makes for... You know, it's like if I put a, a Ford truck, a Dodge truck, a Chevy truck, right? Mm-hmm. And then I do half size, full size, and I start to sequence them. Um, and then I start telling people these all evolved. They're all one li- one line of truck. Yeah. But but the facts you, are that they're you not. Remove like the, um, you remove the manufacturer's branding. Yes. And you just line them up from yep. smallest to biggest. And you say this is all from one manufacturer, just a sequence of their yeah. trucks they developed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a weird one. The other one, the other word on the side is like they came. This, these are just weird evolutionary nodes that are, I guess, in my back of my mind. Like since you brought that up, like are interesting. Like the other one that's interesting is the Cambrian explosion, which is if you took the life of the Earth and put it into a relative twenty-four hour cycle, all of life emerges in the last ten minutes of the life of the Earth. Mm-hmm. So in in not in a um, single-celled kind of way. But it's like grass growing in a yard. So if you imagine the earth is like a giant yard, mm-hmm. it's like all the grass grows at a similar point. And it's like an explosion of complex life forms mm-hmm. that actually go to simple, not to complex. It's very strange. Totally the opposite of the single cell idea. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Super random facts. But what you got, Girath? I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. <laughs> you just know where we are, Willa. Um no, I I think um one thing that was standing out to me uh, with all of it is um, so if this is like a, a human activity, right, and it's part of like all this stuff that's kind of born into us through whatever kind of development has gone on, um, I think we can all kind of get at that, right? There's a shared a shared ecology among us yeah. as creatures. So there's... Um, there's some sort of reality that, that this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think e- even earlier, like the question kind of was pointing towards like, well, why is that? Um, I think it, on some level, I think there is just like in, in the reality of who we are, there's, there's always that understanding, like to the point of the Lewis quote, there's always an understanding that like, I'm not like, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not, I'm not that thing. I'm not that big. I'm not that able. I'm not that capable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is like this, this like inborn necessity to look outside of myself. Now, I think something that's interesting about that 
is that there has been a cultural change in the last, I don't know, I'm going to be generous and say 70 years, um, that more and more that... Just one cultural change? Well, the specific one. Uh, But this one cultural change where more and more uh, it's less about like the uh, the the like that this worship is pointed into an exterior space and more and more that like the worship is pointed to a never ending interior space. So you say things like, uh, you know, so you get like self aggrandizing worship or where whatever you worship to kind of your question earlier, Cody, always has to point back to the building up of me, right? So so this is why we can say things like, you know, in, in large disparaging terms, we can say things like, you know, society is crumbling, you know, because I think that more and more we just have a real, realistic understanding that what we're doing is pursuing like a very internal self-worth more than, you know, caring about the people near me. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of that worship um, and the saturation, like it, it becomes kind of self-saturation. Hmm. Um, and I think that this can make it exceedingly difficult for anybody to feel productive in their studio. Because if your audience is just in the studio, why do it? So you, when you say when your audience is just in the studio, do you mean if your audience is just yourself yeah. in the studio? Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's tough because, um, you know, within like w- within circles of design, you have like some terms that in the last you know a couple decades have been sort of uh, bandied around. So one is the idea of speculative, uh, and another is the idea of like you know like futurist, and not in terms of like the movement or the group of people mm-hmm. in the past, but like you know towards the future yeah. and looking at the idea of future. Um, but it always comes down to the same thing, which is like, you know, the 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 very uh, cultural clause of for me, comma. And that's it. Um, and I don't see that as a as necessarily um, different than what we're talking about in terms of worship. I mm. think it's just that to your point earlier, Cody, like there's something that like we go out to find a thing that then reinforces us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Know, a lot of stuff to throw on the table, I guess, but it, it just feels like that that those objects of worship are are no longer exterior sometimes, or the their the, or the exterior objects are just uh, like a a waypoint on the like building back up of myself, rebuttressing personal ideology, uh, reinforcing like my own untethered opinions or thoughts I don't, maximizing I don't your potential yeah a lot yeah. of a lot of you know we we like worship as self-help sort of thing yeah i don't know what do you got cody yeah just person through some stuff so um self-help self-help so i was with someone the other day and we were talking about the difference between um when i hear self-help i think of like wellness and like the wellness industry Mm. Um, and the concept of wellness that people talk about a lot these days, which is a very, you know, personally oriented notion that something is not right with with your psychology or your circumstance or your body. And that there are a set of practices or products or people, um, that you can obtain 
um, that will have an effect on you to achieve a certain type of optimal wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and another um, thought that I bumped into a while ago was someone who was talking about the difference between wellness and health and how like we all intuitively kind of know what health is. There's not a lot of controversy about what just like human health is. Like, yeah, you know, your your body works in a certain way and you can eat things and you have energy and you can go out and do things and, you know, all your senses function properly. And so it's just interesting to think about the difference between health, which seems like it is generally pretty clear, and wellness, which seems endlessly subject to permutation and never achievable Mm. in any type of way, which is why you have a commercial industry that can make so much money selling products and experiences associated with something like wellness because you have people who deep down sense that something's not complete or right or have some sort of desire for an understanding of themselves or an existence that's beyond what they currently are obtaining and they will pay whatever money they need to to get these sorts of wellness products and experiences. So I think it just goes back to like our particular moment is this highly individualized scenario where people are desperate to achieve a type of idealized life for themselves. But it's it's really all about themselves in a lot of ways. Um, Why is it a bad thing? I mean, it, it, I think it's tough, right? Because on one hand, you know, you could argue, oh, like, what, what's wrong, period, yeah. with that? You know, like, what, you know, why would that be a problem? <clears throat> but I think that part of it is, um, let me use a weird, uh, a, a weird analogy for it. Um, when you talk about something that's unachievable, uh, this becomes that's that's the part that's hard for me, and and, and here's why. Um, so we have we have this little pit bull, and she is like, we we affectionately call her like a broken dog, and uh, so she was, we the the group we got her from uh, was a pit bull rescue, and they they rescue and rehabilitate dogs that have been raised in like fighting rings, and so. She was a breeding dog, and um, one of the things that is important to do when you're uh, a heartless, cruel person that raises dogs to fight each other to the death um, is that you have to build up aggression. And one of the best ways to do that in a dog is to to force a, a culture of anxiety upon the dog. So the aggression will come out because of anxiety. And so what they would do is they'd, they'd put dogs like three feet apart with one foot chains on posts. So the dogs could never actually get to each other. And that would produce such a high anxiety because dogs are pack animals. They're social creatures. Mm-hmm. And so they could never actually get to one another to have that experience. Talk about social distancing for dogs. <laughs> I mean, more or less. And Whoa. so they couldn't actually get oh, together and like, do what dogs do, right? Because you see dogs, like, they sleep, they sleep together. Mm-hmm. Like, they're cuddled up in, in piles. They, they sniff each other, they push each they other. They sniff each other, they do, they play. Um, they And their play is, like, acting out what would be necessary in, like, stressful times mm-hmm. or times where they have to defend themselves. So there's a lot of social learning that goes on. But the the way that that anxiety 
that produces aggression is there is by never allowing them to actually get to a point of, of like completing what they know they need to do. Mm-hmm. So when I hear about something like wellness, like the way you're describing it, that doesn't have an endpoint, mm-hmm. all it is then is a giant anxiety factory. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we have more anxiety, not less. Like we're more sick, not less. Like everything is worse. And I think that within all of that, if somebody's like, well, you know, there's plenty of things that, as you guys say, uh, I'm worshiping, but they haven't buckled. They're still holding the weight, so they're not failing in that respect. And it's like, but anxiety mm-hmm. is a buckling. Yeah. Anxiety, anxiety is, a buckling. Yeah. Is, a, is a failure of those things. Yeah. It, because it, you don't have in something that functions, you have like, you know, faith and trust in that thing. Right. So if I'm if I'm going over like the Golden Gate Bridge. I have faith and trust in that bridge. I have no anxiety driving over that bridge unless mm-hmm. I just don't like bridges. Yeah. Right. But I don't have anxiety in the thing. Now, if I, if I get on that bridge and I've got anxiety about what it will or will not do, then it's already a failure. It's already failed. Yeah. It's like, um, think about what you feel like when you're driving your car when it's working fine versus what you feel like when you're driving your car right after the last time your car broke down. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, if my car broke down a week ago, I'm going to get in my car and be like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> don't do it again. It's this thing going to like, you know, just bust down. On it. And it's just this is I didn't even think of this, but probably because I know a few people who were on long road trips and had cars break down. Um, but it's just a very different experience. Like right now, my car hasn't broken down in a while. So when I drove here, I was not anxious because I was just like, yep, this is dependable. This thing's working. Mm-hmm. My mind's on. Driving safely, of course, and then whatever other little, you know, random access memories available in my mind is thinking about other things, yeah. but not anxiety, because generally speaking, my car is pretty stable. Right. And so I feel like that's the same way. Like people can be. And I think it's it's fair to say, as we talk about the language of worship, there will probably be periods of time when you are really deeply devoting yourself to something where it will feel like it's working and therefore you may not be anxious. Correct. So mm. it's not yeah, yeah. It's not something that you're always going to feel all the time. The question is, where do you eventually get to? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's why I like what you said about health and wellness the most. But the thing about the health and wellness thing is like, the wellness thing is potentially subject to that sort of constant permutation and change and redefinition. Mm-hmm. Health if we're going to just hardly parse out the two terms, mm-hmm. health tends to be more concrete. Mm-hmm. Health tends to be like a thing that you can achieve. And then the idea is like, if you're a healthy person, you don't spend all your time thinking about being healthy because your health allows you to then go out and do all the other things that humans do. Yes. And so you're not constantly focused on whether or not you're Yeah, healthy. it's almost like you're allowing the means to be means and not an end. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but wellness—the topic is always wellness. The focus always comes back to the wellness, and we intuitively understand that. You know, while there's a broad variation of people who do things like exercise, and some people exercise more than others, we generally understand that there is a certain point where, if you're just like obsessed and you're in the gym like 16 hours a day, yeah. every day a week something's gotten out of joint and you're over-focused on your health because you're like, oh, you should have gotten to a place with your health and your your physicality that it should be freeing you to do other things, not imprisoning you to the 
so that gets into the worship because so okay so this is there's any okay there's any instance where we worship like any instance which is just to say there's there's the instances which with, with which we do and then there is the worldview we operate out of that frames the value of the thing but also our value um, so there's the value of the thing and our value, but in that worldview, there's also the maximum potential for our value and the value of the thing. And there can be a discrepancy. So you could be like, I haven't obtained all the value that there is in the thing. And therefore I don't have all the value as a result in my identity, for, uh, in relationship to the thing. Right. And then if you step out from that, there is the, um, perspective of like purpose. Mm-hmm. So there's the purpose in the lifting of the weights. And then there's the purpose of me going to the gym to lift the weights. And then, and that all ties together as like a kind of a system. So I get yeah. value from this purposes. I like how I feel. I look good. And then it becomes my worldviews, uh, the, the size that it is that I don't really see bothering doing anything else because mm-hmm. it's because the purpose of life is happiness. That's what people will say. Like I, so I'm finding it here. Um, and that means that, you know, that person may not be utilizing the, They've lost the sense of what humans are for in the larger sense of purpose, perhaps, Mm -hmm. depending on that discussion, which is about worldview, which is about ethics and purpose and value and so on. And so so um, in every case, people, uh, you know, you have the so you have the person who only travels. Mm -hmm. Everything is about travel. And when they look at the person who lives in the gym, they can say, you don't go past your neighborhood. You just stay here. You have no idea how big the world is, how wonderful it is. And and they can appeal to scale and uh, range of experience to say, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. But that person can maybe be out of shape and the other person can say, yeah, but my body is way healthier. I'm going to live longer than you. And both of their perspectives are trivial on the basis of what they're trying to ask for their experiences to accomplish. Because there's, there's nothing that says that you should travel. But there's also nothing that says there's no greater authority that says thou shall travel and accumulate a wealth of experiences and that will make you a better person. Mm-hmm. And there's no no uh, uh, superseding authority that says thou shall be in the gym and lift weights. And now what I'm not saying is that either one of those things is bad outright. Yeah. This is remember, uh, oftentimes we take good things, make them God things and they yeah. turn into bad things. So it still comes back to these fundamental questions that often, oftentimes people pass off as, ah, who can know? Mm-hmm. Ah, it's, you know, it takes all kinds. Ah, I can, you know, um, at the end of the day, we just got to try hard. And like, you know, it's about, it's about being good. It's about being friends. Being happy. It's about being happy. It's about, it's about loving your family. Okay. Or loving your friends. Or, you know, we, we have these cyclical responses that actually don't deal with um, what seems to be observably, observably the case. Um, and therefore we may be missing the purpose of the things we've been worshiping. We're also talking just as an aside in a relatively narrow confined context of late Western 21st, 20th and 21st century society. Mm -hmm. So like the sort of conversation that we're having about the experiences that a lot of people were interacting with, it's not necessarily going to be the same for people who are in other countries that are still in various states of economic development Mm -hmm. and their cultures prioritize different values and certain things or their culture is looking to ours and saying we need what they have exactly Mm -hmm. 
so I'm not, you know, in talking about things like that, the health and wellness, I'm not saying that like every single human being on the planet is thinking about wellness the same way. No. I'm sitting in a particular society that thinks. But every single every single human being on the planet does have an appeal to something. Yes, and outside of themselves that is going to. Pretty much every society, historically and presently, has some form of worship embedded yeah. into it. Yeah. Formalized. Formalized. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, when you come to artists and designers, to, a lot of times we've tried to worship at the feet of a kind of an existentialism and individuality that uh as elevated and so now you're you're kind of um living in an elevated status or your fifth generation or seventh or tenth generation elevated status you don't even realize it mm-hmm. you assume some of these ideas as like kindergarten level assumptions about being an artist and now you're you're left out to dry um dissatisfied and you think it's because you need more people in your studio or you need more and and the answer to those questions are not found in the studio necessarily or mm-hmm. in and uh, more grant money or more residencies or more friends or more. It's, it's still the same question as it is for the plumber and for the gardener and for the uh, uh, Uber driver and for, you know, the, the tribes person in mm-hmm. some part of the planet or like, like these are, it still goes back to essential questions. And it could be that you have thrown the baby out with the bathwater either yourself or within your own family lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been inoculated with ideas that you that make you think you don't need you know the idea enough to not ever consider it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Earlier you were saying something, Ryan, about um, you know, kind of like being on the edge of newness, right? Mm-hmm. And like once something has a bit of time, it becomes passe. Mm-hmm. Right. So can't help but think about, you know, the last hundred years discussions about like, you know, real art and kitsch. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of the, the the movement of the avant-garde from a place within the arts to the definition of the arts and the way that that can become pervasive, especially within like early career or like art school mm-hmm. sort of conversations. Right. Where it's like if I am not moving in an avant-garde space, then whatever I'm doing is entirely passe mm-hmm. and I'm perhaps not even practicing real art um, and how that plays out into things like, um, you know, the just chucking um, like the human figure out of art entirely mm-hmm. saying, Oh, it's not a valid category. Uh, chucking, you know, watercolor or craft and saying, Oh, these things don't, these, these aren't real. So going back to our conversation of like the splintering of the arts mm-hmm. and the way we kind of throw these out, um, and how the, the worship of something like cutting edge, avant-garde newness, that that can be such an overarching category of worship mm-hmm. that it actually becomes highly destructive to everything that doesn't fit into it. Mm-hmm. And what you end up doing is you become kind of a, a maniac within a space, mm-hmm. being very judgmental and destructive to a lot of things. So in terms of conversations we've had in the past, if someone were to say, okay, so if worship's a part of human existence, then how does it actually happen well? Because we can talk all day about the bad things. And I, I think it's a hard question to answer in some ways. It's a very simple question to answer in others. Um, but if if we think to like the vocabulary that we have just really used consistently throughout the three years of this podcast, what are the things that actually generate, that build up, that bring people together? Like those things feel like a more functional space for whatever sort of context or context or, or is going on. Um, you know, so if you're if you're worshiping at the feet of some idol that that just completely removes like an entire section of making from the table as valid, 
you're probably worshiping something that's going to buckle if it hasn't already for you. Um, you know, cause I mean, I don't know. Um, well, I was going to, I was going to say, we won't be able to resolve it today. I was going to say that I, I actually don't think there's anything you can worship that won't buckle. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the quite and so the and then it, so the question, yeah I guess I'm talking more about like the quality of the worship more than the thing yeah when I say that yeah. like how well you might yeah. do it or not what mm-hmm. I, so what I'm saying is the so what I, I you know we, we we might close it out like we'll just do a third part to this so what I would say is I think because um, then I think if 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 this question is answered then the what you're bringing up becomes super important to yeah, yeah. to the order of things because mm-hmm. then it becomes the sort of the close to how you think about this okay um, makes sense. Yeah, so because I think that I think what you're getting to is the end of the conversation mm-hmm. in terms of so what, yeah, um, and uh, and I think it's like the the capstone. The um, so the questions I have, and I don't even know these right ones, but the questions that I want to put on the table are: Is there an anything worth being saturated by? Mm. I don't want to answer it right now, but that's a question to think about: Is there anything worth being saturated by, and and what kinds of things? Um, uh, would that be? Yeah, yeah, and we'll sit on it. Yeah, I'm thinking like even like what would the qualities of something like that even be? Yeah, what do we what do we what do we want to be saturated in? Yeah, so I guess we, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah, so what do we want to be saturated in? Mm-hmm. So to be so so because there's the quality of us in orientation to the quality of things, and there's the nature of our status in relationship to the nature of the status of things, and if all of that's muddled. Uh, then and then then things become confusing and, and we break things right yeah yeah so who who is fit to unmuddle us is the one another question what what is the um uh what kind of authority can both intervene and not um in a way that's unbiased like that's a whole that's a whole mm. weird conversation mm. so these are just i'm just going to put these questions out so that folks can think about it yeah because so here because here's what we are we are a people humans need a place Mm-hmm. A relationship, uh-huh. um, or relationships, yeah, yeah. purpose, mm-hmm. status, um, know how. So what do we got? We got place, purpose, status, know how, relationships. Uh-huh. Like those are categories that are, and I think there's more, but those are categories that we look to fill through the doing and worshiping of things. That's fair. Does that make yeah, like, yeah, I, can, I can track with that? Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I want to obtain to a certain place. Could be a locate like a late a location, mm-hmm. a home, mm-hmm. a city, and I need to do it in order to have relationships that relate to my identity. I want to be this kind of person. I think if I'm this kind of person, I'll have this kind of value. Mm-hmm. And in order to do all, so, so one of the things in the conversation is imagine, imagine the difference between having obtained and assuming like the bridge when you assume the bridge you get to enjoy the benefits of the bridge because you because you've got it Uh uh, versus not well then you're anxious because you're trying to get to these places because because it's like so here so here let me let me make this clear i think if i can we're talking about some people um or all of us without intervention living a life trying to obtain to those first categories i gave in enough time to experience the benefits of life having solved those questions. Hmm. You with me? Yeah. So we're on oh, the clock. Yeah, we're on the clock. And so you have, so you're like, so you're just, it's a moving target and you're, you're consuming everything up to get to a place where you can get those questions answered. Mm-hmm. So then you can safely assume them like the effect of the bridge and then live your true life. You with me? Now, here, yeah, here's, yeah. okay, so here's the other one. 
if someone gets that. So, so, so what happens is someone presses into this, many of us, and then that starts to become your purpose. Your purpose is to answer these questions. Now, that's a, 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 I would submit respectfully that's, an, that's a regress. So you've, you've, you've regressed backwards and now you, you really aren't getting at purpose. You're getting at the, the conditions necessary to live out purpose. So, and you're calling it purpose. So we oh, talked about ends ooh. and means. Yeah. Ooh. Does that make sense? Oh. You so got some wrinkles in here, man. I know. And so then the other one is if you have that, well, then what does life look like? And that gets to what you were saying. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, um, so I don't want to answer those today because I, w- I think people, I think we should marinate on those categories, re- go back and replay them. Yeah. But I would argue that that is the, we're looking for that. And, and there, and then the question becomes, why is it that we can't answer those questions? Hmm. So I'm going to tell you to try to answer them, but then you got to go like, well, why can't we answer it? Why can't we answer all of them? Why can't we find it? Mm-hmm. And here's how you know. What happens when people get wealthy? What do Rockefeller say? How, how much is enough money? Yeah, Just yeah. a little more. Just what does that more. mean? Well, money's not satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about sex? Madonna's done it with everything and everyone. And just a little more. Just a little more, not satisfied. Like, what about fame? Just a little just more, little not more. satisfied. Only ego would say that you would be, you would be content were there not. What about, um, like, I mean, just name it. Who gets a sense to the top. Like, why is Michael Jordan fretting over his championship rings? Yeah, He's a fascinating example, even if you're not a sports person. He gets to live under the weight of being called the greatest who ever lived, mm-hmm. the greatest who ever played. He gets to live having he obtained. He is considered the greatest. He obtained, and he's young enough to live under that, and he's miserable. Like, there's articles written about it yeah. that he's not content. He still wishes he could play. Like, it's not... And so you can say, well, that's eh, just because we get older. But if I had, listen, if I had his life, I'd be happy. Well, you don't have his life and he's not happy and he lived it. Yeah. Um, and, and he's like, I'm still not satisfied. There's things I got to do. So we create a vicious cycle mm-hmm. trying to answer to those five categories so that, you know, people get mansions and they still live in one small room. Yeah. It's weird. So, so what I'm saying is, but there's something about it that needs to be answered. And the questions is, what are the conditions, and mm. what might life look like on the other side of that? And mm. um, so, is there anything that can saturate that is good, mm-hmm. right? That's worth being saturated by. You being saturated by, like you being permeated, you being saturated. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're saturated, you're going to be saturating everybody else with it. Yeah, yeah. And then we we think about this. We really long for a place. We long to uh, have purpose. Yeah. Value. Um, and uh, what were the other ones? I relationships, relationships, and know how or ability. know how ability. Yeah. You know, and we 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 order these, don't we? Like you order them. Well, if I got these two, then now I'm going to get these other two. Well, wait, yeah. crap! I, I got disordered. I got to try this. Well, no, it's not these people. It's these people. Wait, I shifted jobs because I thought working for Amazon would be better, but no, I got to work for Google. Wait, they got slides, but it turns out like goofing around and playing on break only is so fun for so long. Yeah. Still people, it's still me. I'm still, I'm still not totally content. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm getting sick. My life is about to be over and I haven't answered any of these questions. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and then you get to, so, so I'll leave you with this. With, with the, there's the guy that lived to be like 120 yeah. or 114. I, I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of years ago, but it really stuck out. This lady goes to him to speak to him. He's got multiple PhDs. He has done more <laughs> things than 
you know, and he's writing this book on paranormal activity. And, um, I mean, he's just about himself. Yeah. 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 I mean like, yeah, he's like, let me tell you why I'm a ghost and I'm still here. But he, I mean, so he's done a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, he's been married. He's like made movies. He's just, he's, he's 114 years old and still pretty, you know, active, man. It's the kind mm-hmm. of anomaly. She's there and she's like this young person and she's like, she's got hope in her eyes that he has an answer. And she's like, what, like, what is the meaning of life? And what, what can you tell us about what you've learned? Cause certainly you've learned things that it would be good for us to know. And he scratches his head and he goes, I really don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I, <laughs> I, I got questions like, why am I here? And you can see her face. Like, he's like, I don't know the answer to the meaning of life. I don't even know why I'm here. And I can't summarize my experience in any kind of meaningful way that you can take and run with it in the way that she's hoping for. Yeah. You can learn from the the lack and say, oh crap, I need to reevaluate life, period. Yeah. But so you can see her just kind of like she can't hold her face together because disappointment has hit her. So she's just like, like, wow. You know, and she's trying to hold the you know, the conversation for the show, but she's she's undone. She's like, I thought this dying man was going to give me, you know, there's a hundred has yeah. lived long. I thought living longer and doing more would answer the question. And again, it doesn't negate the value of those things, mm-hmm. but the summary conclusion that answers the conditions that I've just brought up that I think we're searching for, um, isn't enough, which is why some people let's just land the plane here, which is why some people are, looking at what it means to be human and saying, I'm going to get ahead of the curve and abandon that. I'm just going to abandon the whole project of being human. Yeah. That's why some people think that that's the answer. Now Hmm. we still haven't answered the question though. I think it's answerable. I 900% think it's answerable. Yeah. But I think, and I think it's, it's, it's um, unpopular, but I think it's answerable and I think it's worth considering um, because we are in a dire, I think we're in a kind of a, a cultural dire situation. And I think our art reflects that. So yeah, yeah. You, this is also what I thought you were getting at Gareth, which is really good is the state of the work and the things we're doing is reflecting the health of the people. And it's not looking good. Yeah. I mean like, you know, these external realities reveal internal realities. Yeah, thermometer. It's yeah, the thermometer. Yeah, 100%. Effect. yeah. So we're not bearing evidence of, of life going well. We're bearing evidence of like, you know, we're, we're, we're tossed to and fro because Elon Musk bought Twitter. Oh no. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you're, no, totally. you're, you're not in a healthy place if, if your life is rocked by whether or not Elon Musk owns Twitter. Yeah. I, uh, I saw a really great tweet, really great tweet about that the other day. It said, if you're really worried that an eccentric billionaire just bought Twitter, wait until I tell you who owns everything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. And I saw the one where it was like, I saw one that said, you're, you're upset about him buying Twitter, but you're not upset about Bill Gates owning uh, a large and buying up a large percentage of our farm farm country, our yeah. farmland. Jeff Bezos signing the Washington Post. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They all they, they're yeah. the ones that own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really good. So I think we got some really good touch points, some good handles to, to to grab onto for the what we assume to be the third and final, the final countdown. When we said this was a two part series, uh, now it's a three part series. And you so, lie, Stephen. <laughs> threes are always good. Like there's a there's a completion to threeness. There is, uh, but I also just want to remind us all. Uh, that uh, we had a short series last year called Rethink. 
that was the entire calendar year. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a little bit more than three episodes. It was a little bit more than three. Yeah, it was but, supposed to be one. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But they were like, but this, but this. But this, but this. But uh, to that point, whatever. It's a good conversation. So if it goes three, if it goes four, Listen, whatever, if we're trying, we're, if we're going to try to talk about, if we're going to put ourselves out there yeah, and really wade through conversations that can be like off-putting, uh-huh. upsetting, and really put ourselves authentically on the chopping blocks. 100%. Then it ought to be worth our time, yeah, and yours. And like just as a, I would just say as a last aside, if for some reason you're a listener and you're really frustrated with just the use of language that might seem adjacent or associated with religion, mm-hmm. just know that like the history of art is chock full of people who weren't necessarily super duper religious, but saw at least a value in using religious language as a way of getting to certain specific Almost nobody in our history that didn't. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, even if, if you're not co-signing on any sort of religion or worship or anything like that, there's ways these words can be used that have historical precedents that are helpful to zone in on mm-hmm. way that humans work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that doesn't even get so, into the anthropological reality that religion has pretty much been there since yeah. day one. Yeah. So, so, I'll, so you know, the thing is, like, if you're just joining us, this is a crazy conversation to join us with. Um, there's an immense value in going back and listening to a lot of our past episodes. Oh, 100%. 100% um, because yeah. they're... We we cover so much. They're all there. Yeah, we got 119 of them. Yeah. We're happy for you to listen. To. Yeah, I would say that. Well, we might have like 115. The, we're happy for you to listen. Yeah, to. there's a couple we might <laughs> scared for you. But I'd say that the the way our podcast runs is not necessarily predicated on current issues. Uh-uh. Um, so that you're that they're that they're dated. Um, so the po- the issues aren't dated at, in the same way. There, I would say that most of what we've talked about is in and in the ultimate space a current issue. And it's the kind of current issue that can't be talked about in one episode or written down in one book. In the so so you can really go back and accumulate a kind of a relational connection to like this conversation and not really have lost anything. You'll have gained, I think, a lot. Or you can jump in here, but I would just say um, it. There is a we we almost never acknowledge this, but I feel like maybe today's a good day to do that. To go back and listen to um, just listen to a lot of the episodes, listen to a lot of our. You know, uh, a lot of the episodes that are just Gareth and I talking um, and then some where we've like our hundredth episode with multiple people and, you know, listen to our interviews as kind of one off conversations that um, intersect and interact with our larger conversations where it's Gareth and I. And and so you can see a composition that is um, as thoughtful as we can make it under COVID and everything else that uh, came our way. We didn't expect. Um, So, yeah. So we invite you to listen widely. And, uh, uh, you know, come with an open mind um, and know that for everything we're saying, there's also a giant amount that we're not saying yeah. because it's just like not enough time. But if we've got you thinking and you're open and you're with us, then uh, I just encourage you to keep listening and um, check us out. Look at our website. Uh, support us. We we're you know, we're we're moving into a, a campaign season for, for a building campaign and for big initiatives. And so, um, you know, if every listener just gave us a buck to five bucks a month, we would be in a significant place. Um, as far as, uh, you know, our ability to do a lot of what we're talking about doing. Yeah. So if you're, if you've been listening a long time and we've got a lot of listeners and like I said, if all of you just jumped on Patreon and gave us a buck, we'd be in a really great space. If you give us five bucks, 20, a hundred a month, a dollar, it, it goes a long ways. So mm-hmm. with that, 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all so much. You're a fantastic audience. We love you. And we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.